Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. EYL University is the biggest online platform for education, but it's much, much more. It's actually a community. Our private Facebook group has over 8,000 members and 20 infinity groups. The students teach themselves just as much as the professors do. We have weekly webinars. We have over 100 past webinars. You get access to MG, the Mortgage Guys Real Estate Blueprint. You get access to monthly financial planning calls with yours truly. You get access to our monthly group chat investment calls and much, much more. So... Go to EYLUniversity.com right now and take advantage of our limited offer, blowout sale, 65% off of the annual membership. EYLUniversity.com right now and become an earner. All right, real quick, do your own research. You know how this works. This is a message brought to you by Earn Your Leisure, the good brothers at Earn Your Leisure and the good brother Ian Dunlap, the master investor. Do your own research. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and wish to rely upon 
whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. Please do your own homework. Please do your own research. And if you need help with your homework, call a friend. Join a club. <laughs> Join the investment club. There you have it. Don't say it and tell you now. Okay, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Appreciate that, Ian. Um, I appreciate it. Let me get this so bad situation fixed. Before we bring on our esteemed guest, Troy, let's talk about um, some some fang stocks because this is a big week. This is a big earnings week. So what's the what's the deal? Yeah, we got obviously. If, if anybody's watching, uh, Tesla obviously reported and beat its earnings. Uh, they had a net income of over four hundred and thirty-five million in a quarter, which is a record-breaking quarter for them. Um, I think an average of ninety-two cents, ninety-three cents per share. So Tesla is beats, uh, and then tomorrow, and, and I can't even. I can't wait for Wednesday. I, I, we gonna do the earnings really quick. So tomorrow we got AMD, which we talked about and we love. And obviously with the Intel news, every time they put out news, it always seems like they set themselves back or step on their own foot. And so if we're looking who's gonna take the value in that space, we've already said AMD, we've said so many semiconductors, but AMD is gonna be reporting. Microsoft, Ian, you know how we feel about that. We've spoken very highly about that. I believe we had that conversation early this morning. I was sitting here with, uh, with Bam and Mike. And I'm like, remember last June, we told everybody we were gonna do a a 230 call on, on Microsoft, and they were like, are you sure? And now Microsoft is sitting at, what, 262 now? 263, somewhere around there. And so, obviously, they're reporting. Alphabet will be reporting uh, tomorrow as well. And Visa, that's probably the only financial individual stock I have. Uh, and then Wednesday, the big boy, Apple, will be reporting. Facebook, uh, Boeing, which we, we you just spoke about, Ian. I'm glad you spoke about it in Shopify. And then Thursday, that 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 monster that we spoke about in our class, Amazon and shout out to Francis. We went through the charts and kind of broke down and saw where the buy point was and saw where it had to hit uh, before it went on a run. We said we've been, he said he was waiting on it for an entire year. And so it was in consolidation. If you've been tracking Amazon, if you've looked at that chart, you've seen that it's been moving sideways for about eight months. And so it hit its buy signal um, and I was all over it. And so there are some rumors. Now we said this last week, now how, we don't know how true they are, but there are some rumors that there could be a stock split. The rumor is now four to one. Um, and so that would be very interesting. So if anybody has shares of Amazon, great news. If anybody has calls, good news as well. Um, so we'll be looking forward to that. And then McDonald's uh, will be reporting as well. Neo, shout out to Shiggy. <laughs> we had a whole shout, shout out to we my, had a whole conversation. Shout out to Shiggy, that's my boy, man. <laughs> we had a whole conversation about how he invested in Neo. Uh, which is dope because, you know, he, he's new to invest and to, to, to hear that that was one of his first investments. That's pretty cool. Uh, Twitter. No, no, Neo wasn't Shiggy's investment. Who was it? Corday. Corday, Corday. Shiggy had, um, that, he was Doge. Doge Corday. Big on Doge, yeah. Corday was, was Neo. Shout, shout out to Corday. Another young legend. That's a fact. A young legend. Uh, Twitter and Domino's. We spoke about Domino's, I don't know how many times on Market Mondays and how it's really a, a, a tech company disguised as a food company. So they're going to be reporting their earnings on Thursday as well. And so we're, we're looking forward. This is like the best week of each quarter for me is when, when the Fang stocks get to report because not only do they represent their own business, but they those five companies represent about 10 to 12% of uh, of, Na of the NASDAQ? I believe it's the NASDAQ or something like that, yeah. So always an exciting time. Yeah, for sure. It's been a, um, it's, it's going to be a big week. Today was a good day. It was green across the board, so that's always positive. Yeah. So let's hope let's hope that trend continues for the for the remainder of the week. And um, also, I wanted to talk about if we can uh, crypto. So 
obviously you guys know that we are bringing on a titan in this space, Mike Novogratz, which is Bitcoin billionaire, um, ex-hedge fund manager. I'll give his whole resume later on when he comes on. But long story short, you know, he's heavy in crypto. So I feel like, you know, it's good to talk about crypto for a little bit um, before we go on. So, you know, crypto is heating up again. Bitcoin, 50, 53,000. Ethereum is 2,500. Anybody that watches Market Mondays know that knows that I'm invested in crypto and I I dollar cost average into crypto. I put some money into Bitcoin um, recently. I put some money into Ethereum recently and I'm up on both of those positions. Um, I've always held Bitcoin and Ethereum for, since 2017, but those are the only two that I actually have added to my position recently. Um, but yeah, the crypto market is, is looking healthy. Uh, yeah. Coinbase, I believe its stock was up today as well. Mm-hmm. And um, actually I was watching CNBC today, this morning, and something that interesting that came on where it was Bitcoin, the headline was Bitcoin banks look to power crypto economy. So you can't even watch CNBC, you can't watch any of these outlets anymore without yeah. you know, hearing about crypto and Bitcoin and all of that stuff. So yeah, yeah. good run right now. Again, and, and, and we broke down the charts, especially when we talked about Bitcoin and people were asking, where should I get in? And when it was at 63,000, it was like, all right, it's run up, but it's going to pull back in it. So uh, probably around like four o'clock yesterday, it got down to 47,000. And so yeah, it, got, it fell. Yeah. Right. So if you actually even put like a biology band on it, it would have showed you like, okay, this would have been a good time to get in right here. And so I know a lot of people caught it and shout out to everybody that did. I got a few messages about that. Oh, I'm going in right now. I hit 47. Um, so shout out to everybody that's been actually taking the information, applying the information and executing on the information. Cause it's going it can it can be very very uh very it can work in your benefit. I'll say that. If, if you get to the forty two thousand, my bad. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Now I was gonna say, no, can you go, look yeah, it can, and it's gonna give you a heart attack. But if it gets to forty two thousand nine ninety seven, load the boat. <laughs> I'll say that. Load the boat. The boat signal has gone out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um. Bitcoin buy and hold. Um. One one last thing before well a few different things. Um, CRM. Yes. Oh, what, baby. How, how do we feel about this situation? You want to go first, Ian? And I'll, I'll, I'll tell CR, you. CRM, CRM is sales, sales for to yeah. anybody that doesn't know. They were one of the first ones um, last year that took off like crazy. And then once they got overextended, they fell down. Um, I'm not betting against Benny off. He's not in the class of Bezos or Steve Jobs, but he's like in that B tier. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how like well, 1A or 1B, I should say. Kind of like how uh, Dame Lillard is. Benioff is the same way. I'm not betting against Salesforce. They, they, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. They're taking a little bit of time to recover. That's because a lot of the funds are not putting as much money into them as they once did. And there's so many more attractive assets to buy. But Salesforce would be be great in about a year. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been bullish on Salesforce since I think right after the acquisition of Slack. Um, mm-hmm. So that was like November, and like you said, it, it's, well, I'm not going to bet against it. I know the technology. I I know the fundamentals of the company mm-hmm. and, and what they're bringing. And even if you have conversations when you talk to people who are in business, and you ask them about how they're operating business. CRM always comes up, right? They they need that relation, uh, that relationship, that that peer relationship through through the workforce. Yeah. And so, 
that's not going anywhere. I believe in the technology. Like I said, I've been bullish on it since November. I'm not changing. I'm not going anywhere. Um, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Ian. And they created the annual recurring revenue model. And Infusionsoft, Stripe, any of those kind of companies, um, they're the children of, you know, as Nikki would say, those are my sons. They really <laughs> founded the industry. So um, they have quite a few competitors, but you're on the business side. Yeah. They're, they're, we, they are the A player. We kind of spoke a little bit about it uh, maybe a few weeks ago when we when we did the time, how time was getting into crypto, the crypto space and how people didn't even realize that Benioff is the owner of it. And so even those little sneaky things like, all right, well, if that's the well, first step, what's the next step? You know what I'm saying? So I, he's pretty innovative. He's just a, one of those brash CEOs. Um, so I, I'm, I'm bullish on it. Did it on him. We just listened that's to that crazy song. That you just played that. <laughs> no, I promise you, he just played that in the car the other night. That's, that's funny. a fact. We just played that in the car yesterday, two days ago. Two days, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday, yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. Shout out to Nikki. Um, okay, one last question. This Amazon stock split rumor just came out of nowhere. Um, we talked Amazon, about it. We said, we said no. it last week. Yeah. Well, I mean, relatively, yeah, no, when true. I say nowhere, like within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Amazon stock had never split before, to my knowledge. Um, <clears throat> so, how do, how likely is this of happening? And Ian, let me get your take on like why for people that may not be familiar why a stock actually splits. I think this is some good education because the last time something like this happened of notoriety was Apple, and we might have new listeners since then. Yeah. So, um, Apple Tesla. What? Hi guys. What, why? Why does a stock split usually? Um, in this case, because the price is too high. So I'm looking at it now. I think Amazon is at $3,409. Average consumer cannot buy it. Um, and then also it's been throttled because the high is $3,552. So there isn't much upside for them to like, what's the target going to be? 4000 Most people can't buy it. So if they split, they do a 7 to 1 or 10 to 1. It'll go down to $34.09 more people will be able to buy it. So not only will they get a bunch of prime boxes into their door, they'll start to be able to buy the shares because it's more affordable. Um, but I know Bezos, he was not a huge fan of that, but with him being chairman now and then yeah. now having another CEO, it, it, I, I think it's a 50-50 probability that they will split, but I'm gonna do a hot take and say that they will in less than two years or less than 18 months. You think, you think it can get as high as 10 to one? I'll say seven to one to be safe because I don't want to get killed on the interwebs. <laughs> like, oh, you said ten to one. I'll say seven to one. Seven to one. I mean, that would be beautiful as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to go to. Yes, let's go. Let's let's not waste any time. Let's get this. Let's get this conversation started. Market Mondays, biggest. I don't show think in- people realize how big Mike is. No, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm excited. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> All right. Oh shit, that's the king himself. <laughs> there we go. The legend edition. What, what's going on, brother? How are you guys doing? doing Great. Good. How are you? I'm, I'm I'm impressed. I was listening to your show for the last half hour. You guys do more chart work than I do. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try to do our part. <laughs> you know Thank what? you for being here. Charts. The more okay. you look at charts, the more just intuitive it becomes to you, right? It's like you got to put the repetitions in. Like LeBron James probably shot. I don't know, a zillion basketballs before he got great at it. Yeah. He literally, it's, it's the same thing. It's you develop a muscle memory. Uh, and then you realize some people can see the ballet of the market and some people can't. Uh, and so you got to be honest with yourself. Do I see the ballet of the market? Do my lines make sense? Uh, you can teach people, but deep down, you know, not every brain is set up to actually understand how the 
the squiggly lines go. When you're looking at the market, what are you trying to assess to give yourself an edge being one of the greatest fund managers there's, there has been? Um, first of all, I think that, you know, there's a lot of paths to become the Buddha. You know, there's not just one route. And you've got to figure out how your personality fits in with your investing style. Um, I have a friend that was a distressed debt investor, right? He used to say he was the, the world's best garbage man. Uh, and so he would try to buy a dime for a nickel. Uh, and the alpha, the edge was all on the deal. Mm. And if he, if he laid out the last 10 deals he did, all four of us would say, yeah, we'll do that deal. Yeah, of course, you're buying a dime for a nickel. And so it was just hunting and hunting and hunting for him. But it wasn't understanding the markets. It was understanding that he's buying something that was worth 10 cents for five cents for some reason. Uh, the other side of the spectrum is speculators. A lot of stuff you're talking about. Where's Bitcoin going to go? Uh, because we don't really know. We're just guessing. Right. Even like my wife used to say, how do you know dollar yen's going higher? I said, like, don't tell anybody. I'm guessing. <laughs> I just had to guess. Guess. Yes. Because we're guessing, we're scared shitless all the time. Right. So there's a tremendous amount of anxiety. And so you've got to understand what's the process you're going to follow every day. What's the discipline you're going to follow every day uh, to give you the best chance of having your guesses in your portfolio. Right. A lot of people get bullish, but they don't buy it. Or they get bullish and they buy too much and then they, they get nervous and they sell it out on one little dip. And so it's that preparation, that discipline of saying, this is how I do things. So you got to have kind of three notebooks, how you get your information like what's the information that you need to make your decisions. For me, if I went blind, I couldn't do this. I'm like you guys. I need to see the ballet of the chart. I've met people that don't need the charts. It's not that they're smarter or I'm not smarter. It's like, what works for you. And so for me, it's the charts and then it's the story. Are things getting better or worse at the margin, right? Remember, prices are always set on the margin. <laughs> and so uh, economic information, is inflation high? Well, we don't care if it's high, is it getting worse? So it's this, the second derivative of your math geeks, right? You've got to think about the second derivative. Not are things getting better, are they getting better at an accelerating rate? Then you can be pretty certain uh, what's going to happen. And so for me, it was charts, right? Technical analysis, you could call it. I just call it looking at the chart. And then it was a fundamental story, but it was market positioning. Uh, it was the big macro story. It was uh, political analysis because I was a macro trader, right? At the bottom of all those analysis and my gut feel, my intuition, that's where you say, I think, I think. Tesla's going to trade up on the open and then collapse tomorrow. Because I strip out the Bitcoin and I look at their earnings. Eh. Now, I'm, 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 I'm not saying that's going to happen. I just looked at Tesla for 30 seconds. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, he's a wizard don't, with these don't trade out. that one. I'll give you some to trade. Uh, but like that's, that's how traders think. And so then you got to hold your, to your, you got to hold to your uh, discipline of saying, hey, if it gets to, 750 i'm gonna sell but if not i'm gonna miss it. it's okay uh oh shit it opened down 680 ah, i should have sold and then you sell 680 and it goes right back up and you feel like a, and so there's a lot of discipline of, of, of planning out your game and some people trade every day some people trade every week it doesn't matter uh whatever your game is it's got to be planned out 
And so it's a, it's a grueling business, right? Because you have these yeah. three notes. How do I get my information? How do I make my decisions? And then how do I risk manage myself? And it's not just risk managing your portfolio, it's risk managing your life, right? Because your only asset you have, the only one in this is your mental health. The moment you start shitting yourself, the moment you start getting so nervous, it's all gone, right? Shut your portfolio down, take a couple of days off. If you can't sleep, there's something wrong, uh, right? And so you've got to preserve your mental health. You've got to learn to be gentle to yourself. Like, oh, I mean, how many times you're like, God, I feel so stupid. God, I should have done this. In some ways, we got to be goldfish. We got to forget those mistakes, forgive ourselves, and get back in the game. You just can't make the big mistake. You can't lose your capital. Right? So you got to decide what am I going to lose on this trade? I gave some young traders money last two years ago. And when, when Bitcoin had that giant, you know, pre COVID to post COVID fall, and I told them what they could lose in a month and what they could lose in a year. And they lost what they could lose in a year. And I was like, well, what, how would you disrespect me like that? Why would you do that? And they were like, oh, I thought it would come back. And I literally, there's not, you know, you can fire a guy, you can yell at the guy, you should be able to punch. When you're from Atlanta, you know your music. Whether it's local mixtape classics, homegrown trap anthems, or the newcomers just coming up on the scene. Spotify Premium lets you play your all-time favorite Atlanta tracks on any device without ads interrupting your flow. So we can turn it up and revel in the diverse sounds that make this city so unique. Listen to the sounds of Atlanta at spotify.com slash Atlanta. And if you sign up today, you'll also get two months free of Spotify Premium. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. The policy has no fine print. It's clear what's covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this pet store is protected by three. Joe, did you leave the snake tank open? Look, I don't want to point fingers, but yes. It's biting me. Sorry, sir. I'm calling my lawyer. They're going to need some help with this mess. Luckily, they have three. No fine print, just exceptional coverage. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's just common sense. The guy in the jaw for that. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, it was my money, you know? And it was for them an unbelievable painful mistake. 
uh, one that I'm sure they'll never make a second time. Uh, it's, you know, you, you have to have a stop loss somewhere or some risk management system to preserve your capital or you're out. What, what percentage well, do you I, recommend I'm for rambling. traders that you treated? I'll bring it down and get some questions. Mike, Mike, no, no, I wanted to, I, I'm going to let Ian ask this question, but I, I didn't even get a chance to introduce Mike. I want everybody to understand who he is. So Mike Novogratz, um, is it okay if I call you a Bitcoin billionaire? I just, <laughs> you can call me whatever you want to call me. <laughs> Bitcoin, Bitcoin billionaire. Early, like early adapter. I like that too. Mm -hmm. I made it up. Um, early investor into Bitcoin, mm -hmm. uh, used to run a hedge fund. He's now the CEO of Galaxy Investment Group, which focuses on cryptocurrency. Um, and yeah, Bitcoin billionaire. I like that. I'm running with it. Um, so if anybody's not familiar in the, in the, in the crypto space, you have what's called like whales. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's not a lot, a lot of whales to my knowledge in, in America. A lot of them live in Asia, but, um, Mike's a whale. We got one. No, we got one. <laughs> there's only like, <laughs> there's only like, there's only like three of them yeah, in America. If, if you know the Bitcoin two space. Of, two of them are twins. Exactly. <laughs> when the whales move. Yeah, the ocean gets moved. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to put that out there just for people to understand. You know, we spoke to Mark Cuban, but uh, Mike, obviously, he might not be as known. But if you know, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's extremely rare to have the opportunity to, you know, this is kind of like mentorship to actually hear from somebody of this stature. So wanted to thank you for um, taking out the time and, you know, uh, hope everybody that's listening is paying attention and, um, you know, taking down notes because this is a billion dollars worth of game. Literally. literally. No, literally. Yeah, literally. Um, Ian, you asked your question? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, for the traders that you were mentoring, what percentage of a stop loss do you think uh, they should use when doing investing or trading crypto and in equities? You know, a little bit depends on how old you are and how much risk you want to take. Right. So you got to go in thinking. I've got if, if, if I hired someone, and I said, hey, you've got 10 million dollars of capital to play with and you're only allowed to take. Uh, if you lose 15%, you're fired. Because that's broadly what happens. Yeah. If you get hired at a professional shop, you get somewhere between a 10 and a 15% stop loss. Uh, they got to understand what their style is. If that's a 15% stop loss, so they can lose a million and a half dollars on the year on that 10 million of capital. Well, you better not lose more than 250 in a month. Yeah. So you start sizing your trades, you know, you want to win three to lose one kind of, you know, three to one bets, four to one bets. Uh, when you get up, you can start getting more aggressive. But it's not as glamorous of going for the hundred to one shot, because if you think you're going to hit the hundred to ones and you ride it down too far, like the guys I was talking about, they lost they lost their license to drive. Mm. And so yeah. the, the, <laughs> what, you, what you need to almost tattoo into yourself is I will not lose my license to drive. I will not embarrass myself. I won't lose more capital than I tell myself I'm going to lose or I tell my investors I'm going to lose. And that has to be like a religion. Uh, listen, it's hard to stick to that, right? Stopping yourself out is the hardest thing to do. Well, it's the second hardest thing to do. You know what the hardest thing to do is? When a trade's really running, you want to ring the cash register. We used to call mm -hmm. it the pain of the game, right? You got to handcuff yourself to the seat sometimes when you got a trending market. When you're above the 20, when you're above the 50, when you're above the 100-day moving average, and the thing is beautifully trending, just sit. I mean, just sit. I don't want to sit. I want to trade. Just sit. And so there's two really hard things to do. It's knowing when you're in a trend. And listen, you can use indicators to know when you're in a trend. 
you're above all the moving averages. Guess what? You're in a trend. Mm -hmm. uh, just sit. Now, yeah. you might have a style that says, hey, when it gets one and a half standard deviations from the 20 day moving average, I'll trim a little bit, right? You, you can have your own style. I'm not, there's not one style, there's 100 styles. But broadly, great fortunes are made in trend, right? Great fortunes aren't made trying to reverse, trying to call bottoms, trying to call tops. That's a really dangerous game. Great fortunes are made in trend. Uh, and, you know, when your trend runs out of momentum, you probably should have less risk in it. Uh, Bitcoin was a beautiful, beautiful trend. And we, we traded up to 64,000. There's a lot of psychological energy in that price because Coinbase had their IPO. You started seeing all kinds of crazy stuff in the, in the alt markets. You know, Ripple XRP token went up for no reason. All Dogecoin's worth 50 billion. So those are warning signs that things are getting way too hot. And so guess what happened? Bitcoin goes from 64 to 48. That's a big freaking correction. Mm -hmm. Now, were you supposed to have sold it like a genius at 64? No. But when it broke down and then bounced back up to 58, you're supposed to lighten your position a whole lot because the momentum died, the trend broke, the 50-day moving average broke for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm still really bullish Bitcoin. And quite mm -hmm. frankly, I bought some at 48, I bought some at 50. I buy some, I think, the low it's going to go, someone said 42,500 or some, you were much more specific than that. I looked at it and I said, mm. I had bids from 45 to 42 on the weekend, just in case there was one of these weekend, you know, flushes. Yeah. 42 should hold. We see tons of institutions coming to buy this thing. And yeah. so I'm not worried at all about the long-term health of Bitcoin. Goldman Sachs is coming. JP Morgan's coming. They haven't even set up their funds yet. They're doing it. And so institutions are coming to move into the Bitcoin space. I'm positive. It's not, you know, it's not like I'm guessing. I'm actually seeing. I yeah, see the order. And yeah, so that gives me an edge. Um, but tell you what, hell of a long way from 58 to 42. You know? When it was when it was 44, when it was 44,000, you said you were on record saying that I, I see it going to 100,000 by the end of the year. Uh, and I all companies. I still do. I think we're going to consolidate here. Uh, we're going to consolidate between. I hope I hope we put the lows in 48 you know, 48 and 60 for a while. If it gets above 58, stays 60, then I think we head to new highs. And I don't know, listen, it's a long way to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. We got eight months left. Uh, that's a damn eternity. Uh, think about where we were four months ago, five months ago. There's a big going start of the year, 29,000. And so right now, if you are max bullish at 64, you probably have a smaller position because we're in this consolidation zone and you're watching. Listen, there are other things happening in the crypto or that. I mean, the Ethereum chart looks explosive. The mm -hmm. Ethereum Bitcoin cross just keeps going one direction. There's this narrative around Ethereum, right? It's going to have much cheaper gas fees in, a, I don't know, six weeks or something with the... Uh, 2.0? 2.0 on the way. Well, it's the EE, the, the, the 159, the, where you, you're, you're, instead of paying the miners so much, you're actually burning uh, a good a good portion of the tokens. And so gas fees are going to go way down. That's what's driving some of this rally. Uh, decentralized finance, you know, NFTs all being built on Ethereum. And so the narrative for Ethereum is really good right now. We just launched an ETF in Canada. Uh, Galaxy did. So all of a sudden you have an ETF in Canada that, you know, took in a bunch of money the first week. And I think it's having its moment. 
The other cryptos, which are fascinating to me right now, are these. So originally we had the Bitcoin ecosystem and the Ethereum ecosystem. And everything's being built on mostly Ethereum. And all of a sudden, the guy from Binance, CZ, said, I'm going to create my own Ethereum, right? Bar Binance Smart Chain. And a guy from Korea named Do Kwon, I'm going to create the Terra Network. And now Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX, I'm creating Solana. And, and they're building many Ethereum's competitors that are not nearly as decentralized as Ethereum, but they're faster. And, you know, you look at the TV, you look at the TV, you don't know what's behind the TV, right? Who in the hell cares what's behind the TV, how it works? We just turn it on and we like the TV. Uh, and so there is a debate Will consumers care how decentralized the blockchains are? Right now, they're just saying, hey, is the consumer interface, is, is, the, is the user experience sexy and good? And so you're seeing these new ecosystems explode north. That's money coming from Bitcoin and Ethereum into the Solana ecosystem, you know, the Sam Bankman-Fried stuff. Terra, uh, I bought this coin Luna five months ago at like 27 cents and it's now $18. Uh, nice. Yeah, you don't have a lot of those in your life. Kiss your wife and, <laughs> and buy her a dog from Korea, uh, which I actually did. I bought my wife a dog from Korea. Uh, <laughs> literally. Literally. <laughs> literally. And so, you know, I think, listen, the, the, the macro markets uh, have never been more interesting. And crypto is macro on steroids right now. And so it's a fascinating time to be a trader. It's really volatile. And so you can't say, well, it's so volatile, I lost all my money. No, you have to adjust your position sizes. And so if you're used to taking a, a, a 10 unit S&P position, which trades at 20 vol, and you're trading Bitcoin at 80 vol, you should take a two and a half unit Bitcoin position, mm. right? Like, and that, it's just the math. You don't have to be a crazy kamikaze in volatility just because you're trading crypto. You just have to adjust your sizes so you preserve your capital. But there's a lot of uneducated investors that feel the energy of this moment and want to participate. Like, I think Bitcoin is a core part of your portfolio. It's got a purpose. It's going to be around for a long period of time. Every institution I know is buying some. It's basically digital gold. Ethereum is most likely the winner of the decentralized supercomputer that powers all these new businesses, all these new uh, ecosystems. But it might not be the winner, right? I've also invested in a thing called Definity, which is going to launch in about a week. They want to be participant in that. Solana, like I talked about, Terra, there's all these other ecosystems like Ethereum trying for the same thing. Then there's DeFi. Uh, these DeFi coins trade like equities. Uh, in some ways, they have a dividend. You can, you can think of it like a dividend. Uh, the, more, the more use they get, the more business money they're going to they're gonna make, the, the higher the token's going to go up. And so I look at those three buckets and say, if you're not in that bucket, you're, just a, you're, you're literally like a Ponzi game. And so Litecoin, BSV, you know, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin, whatever that BS, the other Bitcoin. Right, there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch. XRP. 
those are all baloney coins. And doesn't mean you, you can't make money in them because every once in a while the market gets hot and you know people are like, oh, that hasn't moved yet. Let me buy it and they pull your yeah, friends in. It's a little bit trend. like yeah. it's a little bit like that that GameStop. They're meme coins, and you can get your head ripped off being short. And so I would not advocate for the non-professionals to be short. And if you're short things, you want to short them after they've taken out everyone out everyone else. Right. Mike, Mike can, can I can I ask you about because uh, you said those those are BS coins, but what about like uh, a stable coin, almost like a, a tether? And I'm thinking in the sense of if we see uh, Bitcoin go from 64 to 58, is it a wise move to say, all right, I'll take what, some of my investment, put it in tether because it's stable, and then reinvest when I feel like the trend is going back up? Is that a strategy yeah, that can listen. be used? No, so listen, I think Tether or USDC, you know, a circle stable coin, any of the stable coins are fine places to park. They're basically just, it's like, it's the same as putting back in dollars, but you're not having to take it out of the crypto ecosystem. Right, right. And so, yeah, I think it's a perfectly good idea when you want to take chips off the table to leave them in the crypto ecosystem. Uh, so you don't have to go through your bank and put them back in. And so we, we, we trade a lot of USDC. We trade some Tether. Um, you know, there used to be a concern about is Tether real or not. It's it stood the test of time. Enough people believe it's back one to one that it's going to hold hold one to one. I wouldn't if I had to leave money for a long period of time. I'd rather leave it in USDC than Tether, even though it's the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. But pretty much that's just a dollar. And I tell you what's going to happen next year, in the year after, in the year after, there are going to be more and more of these stable coins. Matter of fact. We're going to be buying pizzas with stable coins. Uh, mark my word. Facebook's new project, it's called Diem, like Carpe Diem or Per Diem, yeah. D-I-E-M. Uh, they used to call it Libra. All it is is a dollar stable coin. And you're going to get a Novi wallet. So everyone's going to have their own Facebook a messenger. And you want me to send you money instead of going to the bank, I'm just going to like Venmo. Uh, but it's instead of Venmo controlling it, this is going to leave my wallet and go to your wallet. And it could go overseas and it could be $10,000, not $1,500. It could be $100,000. And so the world is going to move on to wallets, not bank accounts. I'm long Facebook stock. Uh, one of my favorite trades this year is I sold a shackload of call options on GameStop because the vol was so stupid. And I bought Facebook stock and Facebook calls. And I bought it because I know sometime in this next half year they're going to come out with this crypto wallet called novi unfortunately not named after me uh, <laughs> with the novi wallet and they're going to have and all of a sudden you're going to have 2500 uh, two and a half billion people with access to crypto on their wallet uh and facebook all of a sudden is going to get a little bit of a crypto you know you're going to put them in your crypto basket and so facebook's going from 300 to 400 i think i hope <laughs> Quick question for you. Speaking of conspiracies, what do you think of Peter Thiel's comments about Bitcoin uh, being equivalent to like financial terrorism because it may be backed by China? And then you what know, do you so think I, of I Bitcoin? Know, I with? know Peter well. Uh, okay. I first met him back when we both had big hedge funds in 06. Uh, I've partnered with him on a lot of things. He likes to be provocative. Mm -hmm. That's his brand. He likes to say shit that everyone says, what? Uh, <laughs> he's very smart. Um, he owns a lot of Bitcoin. Uh, he owns positions in companies that that you know participate in the ecosystem, and so he's a bull in the space.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The stablecoin war will be a war. It's not going to be a Bitcoin war. It's a war between China's stablecoin, the U.S. stablecoin. Europe's going to have one. I was on with the central bank governor of Brazil. They're going to have one. Every one of these countries is going to have stablecoin. It really only matters U.S.-China. Right? We're the reserve currency of the world right now. In order to be the reserve currency of the world, traditionally, you had to have the strongest navy, right? The Brits had, you know, the pound used to be the reserve currency, and all of a sudden the dollar became. Most countries only keep the reserve currency status for about 100 years. We're about the end of our life in that zone. And so, but why is it important? Well, we have these gigantic deficits. So we want everyone to buy dollars, right? How are we going to fund these huge deficits? We fund them by people overseas buying the dollar, buying our bonds. And so if China becomes the reserve currency, if people start saying, Hey, what's a gallon of oil? What's a barrel of oil? In, oh, it's in renminbi, not in dollars. Like right now, anywhere you go in the world, you ask a guy how much he's worth. He says, well, I'm worth a billion dollars. I'm worth 400 million. I'm worth 10 million. They never tell you I'm worth 50 rei or, you know, one and a half million euros or, right? Everyone thinks of the base currency in dollars. That's because we're the reserve currency. That's a huge advantage for the United States of America. And so for us to lose that in a war with China, who's way ahead in the stablecoin, would be a tragedy. And the government now knows that. And so I think you're going to see an acceleration. Uh, Bitcoin, is a, Bitcoin is kind of a, a, a fly in that whole, you know, in that room of negotiation. Because what Bitcoin is telling governments is, dude, you guys are doing such a shitty job with your budget deficits. Uh, you are printing money. My mother used to say money doesn't grow on trees. Right now, money's growing on trees. Let's make college free, right? I think they probably should make college free. Let's make, pay off your student debt. I oh, will pay it off. Let's just keep pumping in more and more money. Let's go to war again. Like the, the amount of money our government's spending, we don't have that. And so Bitcoin is like a report card on how the government's doing. Bitcoin's going up because people say, shit, there's a chance. Not a, it's not the predominant probability. But there's a possibility that is growing that, you know, we shit the bed, that the, that, that the U.S. yield curve and dollar looks like what happened in Germany in the, in, at the beginning of the century or what's happened in Venezuela. Or, and we're like, that could never happen here. And most likely it will never happen here. But, man, the chance is higher today than it's ever been in my life. Yeah. Again, I don't think it's a 40 percent chance, but as it goes from a zero percent chance to a five percent chance to a ten percent chance people want insurance and bitcoin is insurance and the governments know that let me ask you this because um i'm glad you talk about governments government regulation has been one of the, the main things that um people have always feared and it seemed like mark zuckerberg was in front of the government at like every week at one point, like he, I'm like, I've never seen somebody in Capitol Hill so much. And I think to my understanding that played a part in why Libra never really got off the ground. So, yeah, you know, 
Facebook, Libra was a great idea, but Facebook was so tone deaf. Like, you're hated, guys. You are hated. And they went there before they had, like, repaired their image and, you know, they, the Trump stuff and the election stuff and, and your, your privacy stuff. They hadn't done the work to win back the trust of the American people or the politicians. So he showed up there like a lamb going to slaughter. <laughs> he could have said, no matter what he said, they were going to, Republicans were going to hit him. It was the only thing Republicans and Democrats agreed on is that they hated Mark Zuckerberg. So, listen, Facebook's an amazing company. Uh, they've pivoted. He's got, they got a lot of amazing people at it. People make mistakes. Mark Zuckerberg is a stunningly smart guy. Um, but the government said, we don't want somebody else running our currency. So Libra was originally its own currency that was going to float, a basket of currencies that would float from that basket. That was like code red for every central bank governor. They say, no, we get to issue the dollars. And so now the new Libra is just a dollar wrapped in a coin. The dollar will still be on deposit at a Fed Reserve Bank somewhere, right? Uh, a bank that the Fed controls uh, or, or regulates. And so it's just basically a payment mechanism as opposed to a cryptocurrency, right? It's a crypto dollar, not a cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll have another question if nobody else has questions. Um, so can you explain the liquidity situation? Because from my understanding, like Coinbase, buy, like they have to get their Bitcoins from somebody, right? In order to actually have them readily available to people to buy them. So where are, like, where's the reserve for Bitcoin? Is it just guys like you? Like, what's the reserve for Bitcoin? So the way that the liquidity works, so, you know, the reason there's this crazy volatility. So in the U.S., you were talking about buying Caterpillar. So you go to your broker. How much leverage can you get on Caterpillar? One and a half times, maybe. Yeah. Right? Fifty cents on the fifty cents on the dollar, maybe. If you're a hedge fund, a little bit more. In Asia, you can go to Binance and get a hundred to one leverage on Bitcoin. Think about that. That's insane. But all of those Asian exchanges are like casinos. I call mm -hmm. them Macau 2.0. On the institutional side, if Every bank and every hedge fund is going to lean towards crypto over the next 10 years. Is the baseline for 7 to 12% annual return going to be dead? Or do you think that regulators would keep it in that, in that sweet spot? The, um, give, give me that question one more time because the, the returns have been a lot more than 7 to 12%, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. But you know, most are only saying that they can get you 7 to 12% for regulatory issues uh, or, or for reasons. But if everyone is going to lean towards crypto now, do you think from a regulation standpoint that that um, sweet spot or percentage base will be lifted and now you'll be able to say that you're possibly able to give 20 to 40% return in a year if crypto is so, added to the balance sheet? Listen, there's, there's no free lunch in the world. So think about it this way. Here's an interesting way to think about what's happening. There's a pie called global wealth. It's $400 trillion. Let's shrink the pie. Uh, to U.S. wealth, about $140 trillion. What's making that pie grow right now? Chairman Powell, Federal Reserve, mm -hmm. just pumping in money, literally like a guy at, a, you know, at the, the uh, carnival when he's popping the balloons. 
He just keeps pumping and pumping and pumping. And so global wealth is expanding faster than it ever has in lots of ways, right? And so stocks are up, bonds are up, everything's up. LeBron James trading card traded for $5 million today. I bought one for $1 million. Bought a LeBron James car because I kind of think LeBron James is the dude. Like, I don't think he, I think he transcends athleticism. Like, the he goat. is Muhammad Ali of his generation. That guy could be the president of the United States one day. That's a uh, fact. And so I thought, I'm not invested in a basketball player. I'm invested in, like, a world leader. And because of that, that card's going to have value. I got one of his, you know, golden rookie cards. Uh, and I thought this was an insane amount of money to spend, and now it's already worth a lot more. That's only happening because we have all this liquidity. So now we've got this pie like a pizza pie. 12 years ago, there wasn't a crypto piece. Mm-hmm. There was no crypto. So crypto's taken a piece of that pie. It's, it's stealing from gold. It's stealing from stocks. It's stealing from, a little bit from everything. Mostly gold, but everything. And right now, crypto's $2 trillion, right? That's a half a percent of global wealth. Think about that. My thesis is it feels kind of intuitive that in two to three years, it'll be 2% of global wealth. So that's four times market cap. So crypto would be to eight or ten trillion dollars. So that means Bitcoin probably is four or five times higher. Ethereum's four or five times higher. Now there'll be moves between. Uh, and so to me, there is a a once in a generation shift to create a new asset class. Asset classes usually end up something like this will be seven or eight percent of the portfolio, not not a half. You think about commodities or, you know, uh, and so we're in this transitional shift. So I think crypto returns will, will beat the crap out of stocks and, and, but, but not forever. Mm. They will hit an equilibrium, right? There is no free lunch in the world. Right now it feels like there's a free lunch because the government's losing everything, yeah. right? It's we're winning and they're losing. They're just giving away the money. Mike, a lot, a lot is forever. A lot of people have compared this crypto space to the dot-com space of the, the late 90s, early 2000s, in, in, in a sense that there are going to be a lot of coins, just like there were a lot of websites. And so, in your opinion, what do you, what do you think? Obviously, we know Bitcoin and we know Ethereum. What do you think are a few that will become the Amazon, the Yahoo, uh, the eBay of that, the crypto space? Yeah, you know, it's a great, great question. We were debating it today. There's this new coin, Solana, that everyone's all hot about. I actually sold some today because it had gone up so much. I was like, okay, too many people are talking about it. It's, you know, sell some, we'll buy it back on a pullback. Um, I think Bitcoin and Ethereum will be there. Everything else, I, I, I think it's still too early to tell um, over the long haul. Listen, I love the Terra system, right? LunaCoin, I bought, I still own a lot of. Uh, one of the smarter guys, they've got a great community. But to be honest, seven months ago, no one had heard of it. And so now it's a $15 billion ecosystem or more. You're like, maybe let's let them, let them stand the test of a few years before I say it's going to be there in 10. And so we have this game. All right, what will we bet? What discount will I take to buy tokens if I have to hold them for six months versus four years? And a lot of these tokens, like Filecoin is an amazing program, but they have so many coins that are locked up that will come unlocked. Let me tell you, you're a, you're a young guy, you put $10,000 into what Filecoin and two years later you get your coins and it's like, hey, it's worth 2 million. What are you gonna do? Sell, 
And so when these coins go up, you've got to look at not just the market cap that they talk about, but you got to look at the fully diluted market cap. Uh, and so the more a coin is distributed, the better it is, right? There's no supply left. What's so awesome about Bitcoin is there are only 21 million Bitcoin that'll ever be uh, uh, issued, right? 18.7 have been mined, three have been lost. You got a really limited supply. Uh, doesn't mean people don't sell, right? The miners sell every once in a while. Some guy that bought it at 10, now it's at 50. They're like, damn, I made a lot of money. Let me sell some. Uh, and so there's a natural turnover, but there's not some giant pool waiting to dump on you. Three million Bitcoins have been lost? Yeah, that's what they, the, the estimate is. Think about it. When, when Bitcoins were one or two cents or eight cents or 10 cents, who, who cared? You bought them, you forgot about them, threw away the computer. Got locked out. Yeah. That hurts. That hurts. <laughs> you, know, you know, these Pokemon cards. I don't know if you follow Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon, I had kids. They love Pokemon. And all of a sudden, Pokemon cards are worth a fortune. And I'm reading about this Charizard card that's worth like $600,000. And my daughter's like, I had that card. And so my kids, my wife, we searched and ransacked the house, the beach house. Couldn't find that damn card. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that must be a guy who lost their Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> somewhere. Where is my Charizard? Yeah, I can imagine. That, that's, um, at what I, point? Do you, go ahead, Ian. No, no, Rashad, go ahead. Um, mass adopt, not just for Bitcoin, but cryptocurrency, period. Do you, what, what do you foresee the future as far as, adop I don't even say mass adoption, just adoption, period, because crypto is still not really used um, anywhere for the most part. Um, so at what point, 10 years, five years, 20 years, will we start to really see these things. Oh, no, it's going to be much quicker than that. So like this coin I was talking about, Terra, if you're in Korea and you're in a cab, you'll pay for things on the Chai payment system. Uh, or you'll go to the grocery store and you use Chai. Like, like you got, you might use Apple Pay. Mm -hmm. You guys know Apple Pay? Yeah. Chai, is, Chai, is, Chai is a crypto payment system and that it's already 6% of payments in Korea. And so we're starting to jump out of the sandbox into the real world. And I think payments is going to be one of the first places. And then DeFi is also starting to happen. I could see literally in four years, the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange really having a, their, their uh, clock cleaned by SushiSwap or Uniswap or some version of a decentralized exchange. Yeah. Right? Come on, you think, wait, you cut out all that fat, how, how much bureaucracy is in these big firms, you cut out the red tape. People want to trade peer-to-peer. -peer. The only thing stopping that from exploding is the regulation around knowing your customer. And there are four or five amazing programs right now working on uh, a solution to me being able to trade with a decentralized exchange, a DEX they're called. And while I don't know my customer, I can get guarantee that he's not, you know, an Iranian jihadist or a North Korean, you know, nuclear scientist. Uh, Two-parter for you. When you were at Goldman, what did you do to help rise to the top? And I've heard you talk about it before, but what was the breakthrough that helped you go from your business being at $300 million to $2.5 billion? So at Goldman, I uh, started as a salesman. Uh, I like talking. I'm a good talker. Uh, and my boss sent me out to Asia. And at one point, he asked me to, uh, you know, I made a lot of money. And I was complaining that 
there was a kid that was training my age and he got paid like 10 times more than me. And I was like, that's bullshit. And he said, well, it's a lot easier to sell than to trade. Mm. And I was like, I'll trade. And so I switched over and took this painful journey of trying to understand how markets work. And I was lucky because I was in an amazing, uh, fertile place as far as mentors. And, and I always tell people steal mentorship. You know, you don't need the guy sitting next to you telling you everything. You can find mentors on TV and books. You can find mentors in your clients as your friends, right? On YouTube. Uh, I'm shocked that, uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm shocked. I was happy to see, uh, how good the technical analysis that you guys were putting out here for free was, right? Thank you. you know, laying out good info to people that are listening. Uh, and so I found great mentors and it took me a while to understand why I was winning. And so I, I was scared all the time and I, it wasn't conscious fear. It would show up in my body and you know I'd, I would disconnect, but at the end of the week I'd get a massage and, the guy would be like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. He's like, I've never seen a back like this. Well, I go drink and I would drink so much. I'd like, you know, turn purple, uh, you know, show up. Uh, and so I left Goldman Sachs. I started a hedge fund and I was sitting with this Israeli general, uh, ex prime minister who said, you know, you're not so smart, but you're lucky. And he told me this story about Napoleon saying, I don't hire smart generals. I hire lucky ones. And that what he meant was they had a battlefield. You know, they could see the battlefield in their head. They had an intuition of when to go, when not to go. They had a charisma on how to lead. Uh, they had all these skills that we didn't have a word for. Therefore, we called it luck. Um, and he was like, no, you're like that. And you're not very smart, but you're lucky. And for some reason, that liberated me. I was like, ah, oh, this is why I was a good salesman because I saw the world right. This is why I'm a good trader. And believing that I was good, the belief system that, yeah, my process of taking information and processing it won more than it lost. The moment I could free myself to say, yeah, I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. And, and believe it, like sit in a closet by myself and think if they took everything but a, a, a Bloomberg with a chart, I could still make a living. Uh, I have a, my pattern recognition works. That gave me so much confidence to tell the story to my investors about how I was going to make them money. You know, the year before I'd have a big Russian ruble position and I wouldn't remember the finance minister's name. And you might be an investor and I'll be sitting here literally quaking thinking he's going to ask me the finance minister's name and I don't know it. And I was all scared about that. Well, the next year I was like, I don't need to know the finance minister's name for my kind of investing. And so I learned to own my own style. What I said early on, there's many paths to Buddhahood. You gotta own your own style, you gotta understand. And that comes from hard work and discipline. The thing that has stopped me from, I, I always think I'm really good and I got a few friends that are great. And the gap between really good and great is just discipline. It's doing the same thing the same way. It's showing up in the morning early. It's not going out so late that you're like, oh, I'm so hungover, I can't even see the screens. Uh, you know, it is a, it is a disciplined process, uh, like a ritual that you go through. If, if you're going to trade 50 assets, you better look at those daily charts every day. Yeah. You better look at the weekly charts once a week. You look at the monthly charts once a month. 
You don't need to look at the weekly charts every day. Uh, they don't change that quick, right? But how many of you guys or your listeners who think they're traders actually look at their asset, you know, their 50 assets they might trade the chart every day? Not many. <laughs> yeah, that's a, you know. Mike, if we can, we, we just want to get a couple of questions. But before we do that, you said something that was very important. You said um, you were surprised that there's so much information for free. So I just want to remind the public, like, this is, you know, a lot of times we get spoiled. Even any, anybody can get spoiled, especially when, you, when you're giving things for free and you don't fully appreciate the value of it. And um, it's important to keep things in perspective and to understand that, you know, this is a high-level education every day, every week. Um, for free for over 53 yeah. weeks. So, you know, just, just keep that in mind. This is coming from somebody who's a billionaire. So, you know, just, just have a, a certain level. And all we ask is to like the video, 7,500 people, but there's only 1,800 likes. You do the math on that. Go with your likes, please. Mike, Don't even make any Start like it. Start like it. Start like it. Hey, uh, Alistair, and Alistair, I'm glad that you called in, man. Alistair is actually the, the head of our, our crypto club. So I'm sure this is going to be a an in-depth, intuitive uh, question. Alistair, what's going on? You've been unmuted. Unmute yourself. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Mike. Um, you know, thank you for sharing your knowledge on the space. Um, I had a question about the regulatory aspect of what's, you know, of DeFi, because DeFi is providing a lot of the same financial services that traditional finance offers, but they're doing it in a permissionless way. So do you see uh, the traditional finance institutions uh, preparing for it? And do you think that there is going to be a big regulatory push to lock down what we see going on in DeFi right now? Oh, that's a great, great question. Um, I told banks, I was up at Bank of America recently, and I told the CEO, I said, you guys were so wrong being worried about Bitcoin. Uh, I'm going to sneeze in a second. So Bitcoin was an <laughs> asset that, uh, that, you can, I'm <laughs> that you could buy and collect, you could asset manage, you could trade, but it wasn't a threat to the banks. DeFi is coming right at you, and they know it. And so what you're going to see is a lot of FUD from the banks, a lot of pushback. They're going to try to push the regulators to try to shut DeFi down because DeFi is going to go right at the core of their business. Um, what is DeFi for the, the audience that doesn't pay attention? It's taking a blockchain, which is just a shared database, and using it to, to do things that banks do trade derivatives, trade equities, uh, right? Sell insurance, you know, do insurance, do structured products. And it cuts out a huge amount of fat and it allows you to trade peer to peer. It's a driverless bank. Be cool, right? There are no people, it's just code. So who can you regulate when it's just code? You can only regulate the people that use it. You can't regulate the code itself. So who's using the code? Well, I want to use the code. Right now, if you're you know, a consumer, and the regulators could care less if you use DeFi. But if you're Galaxy or any of the institutions, we can't use it. We can invest in it, but we can't use it yet because we don't know who's on the other side of the uh, trade. And so the big regulatory risk around DeFi is knowing your customer. It's called a, a KYC AML, know your customer anti-money laundering. 
the moment that gets solved, and there are a lot of smart people solving it, I think DeFi is going to explode. There's going to be a trade long DeFi, short the banks. Uh, some of the banks are trying to move fast. They just can't move fast enough. Their regulators, their size, they, you know, like, okay, they're going to they're sell crypto in their wealth channel, Bitcoin first. Then they'll start trading. They're all going to need to trade Bitcoin or crypto because as we move to more stable coins, which we're going to, right, just even their currency trading is going to happen in cryptos. And so mark my words, in three years, every three or four years, every bank will have a crypto trading desk, just like I do. Uh, but DeFi, it cuts them out. And quite frankly, listen, it's going to cut out some of Galaxy's business. We think our, you got to bite off your arm constantly and regrow something. Right. Because it's innovating so fast. I think the tech companies are better at doing that. And that's why you see every tech company plunging into crypto. Right. Mark my words, Apple's coming in soon enough. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, PayPal, Venmo, uh, Square, uh, Tesla. You know, you saw Elon today. He said, yeah, we sold some because we want to understand the liquidity. We're, we're buying. We're taking it from our customers. Like, you're going to see crypto permeate the world, not all at once. It'll go in little waves. But the most interesting thing to watch is your question. And it's not like the banks are going to lay, lay down and get rolled over. They're going to fight back and they're going to fight dirty. That's what, what people do in business. And so, uh, you know, the crypto side is gearing up as well. And so you're seeing, you know, people hire ex-regulators. You're seeing, and the good thing is the regulators are getting smarter. I mean, Gary Gensler, who's the head of the SEC, he taught a class on blockchain at MIT. I was a guest professor. Uh, well, guest lecture. Uh, but I'd like to be a professor. Uh, <laughs> he knows crypto. And so the old head of the SEC, Jay Clayton, he didn't want to deal with it. Just wasn't on his watch. It, what, he just didn't want to engage. Gary will engage. I'm positive. I know the guy. He will engage with crypto. He, you won't like every one of his rulings, but as long as the rulings are clear, catapults to space forward. Well, which banks do you think are most susceptible to, to going out of business as a result of DeFi over the next 10 well, years? I don't think they go out of business right away. It's just, you know, if you think about their businesses get get hurt, right? More, just like they got hurt by, uh, by FinTech, right? Think about Robinhood, right? What are the, that, that was a whole new market. That should have been EF Hutton or, you know, or E-Trade. Right, Robinhood came and they kind of ate part of E Trade's lunch. E Trade ate part of Goldman Sachs's lunch, uh, and I think you're going to see this same thing. Appreciate that, appreciate Alistair. You. Appreciate the question. Uh, let's go to Chris. Chris, we coming to you. Unmute yourself. You've been unmuted. Chris H, what's going on? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, you're perfect. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry I had my hand raised. I didn't really have a, a question, but I'm so sorry. I just appreciate you guys and the information that you guys share. Appreciate and I'm just, I'm just a loyal listener, so I'm just gathering up the information. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate Thank it. you. I'll follow up. Go okay. ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to get Mike Dolo on here. He, he's been here, the first person with his hand raised. So I'm going to go Mike and then Ian. I guess you could follow up after that. Yeah. Mike, what's going on? What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's up, y'all? Everything good? Brother, how are you? Hey, uh, my question is for Mike. Uh, what is the what is the what software or app do you use to to purchase your um, crypto and how do you know about crypto ahead of time? 
Well, because I've got a big trading desk, I just yell at somebody and they do it for me. <laughs> um, but when I look at like what's what amazes me, you know, when you have a Bloomberg, it costs you three thousand dollars a month, thirty thousand dollars a year to be on this Bloomberg and pull up charts. And you got this app Crypto Watch. I don't know if you guys use that. Uh, it is as good of any trading app as I've ever seen. And it's free. Download it for free. Crypto Watch. And so both for charting, you can chart anything, not just crypto on this thing. Uh, it's amazing what happened in the last 10 years in ter terms of access to good information. Um, listen, I think, you know, to be an aggressive crypto trader, you probably need a, 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 a few different uh, accounts to trade at, right? You probably want a Binance account. You probably want a Coinbase account. Uh, you probably want a MetaMask account where they're doing, you know, swaps. Um, that's kind of deep in the weeds. If you just want to own Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, you can, you know, do it on Coinbase. You can do it on, uh, you know, BitGo's got an account. There's, there's plenty of apps. That's pretty simple. So it all depends how aggressive you're going to be. But all of you guys, Crypto Watch, it's my new favorite toy. Uh, and it's free. Appreciate that. Thank you. And, I, and, and full disclosure, I don't own any of it. You know, like I'm just, <laughs> my guys were all using it and I'm like asking them to send me charts. I'm like, okay, give, me, give me the app. Download it right now. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm without getting into anything proprietary, what are some of the favorite like technical indicators or strategies that you like to use? And are you doing normal candlesticks? Are you doing Renko, point and close? Anything that you can share to help the audience uh, get an edge? You know, it's funny because I'm such a technical trader and you would just laugh at my technique. I draw horizontal lines and diagonal lines. I use candlesticks, just normal candlesticks. And I have looked at them enough that I sense the market. Mm. Um, you know, if there's a five times something's trying to take out the top and we take out the top, we're going to go much higher, right? We're going to normally correct down to where things broke out from. Mm. And so I'll look at moving averages as well. But really, I could make a living just with the horizontal and the diagonal. And I think people can, you know, start simple. A lot of, if you read the best book, anyone who really loves trading has to read this book, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. Absolutely, yes. You have to. It's the Bible. But back then, they would read the tape. And they were watching, and they were creating the chart in their head, and they would write them down. Uh, a lot of this is pattern recognition. And you're not just born with pattern recognition, right? You got to program the computer. And that's, but I was so impressed, you guys, looking at your charts, looking at this. You, you don't want to buy things that are way underwater, that are going to run right into the resistance. You're like, okay, yeah. that's hope, right? Hope's a bad word in trading. Mm. <laughs> Good word in life. Right? Words for Obama, but not for trading. Leave hope at the door. Yeah. That is a fact. Um, want to go to one more question? Yeah, let's take one more. Let's see, Darlene. Darlene, I'm coming to you. Uh, Darlene's not there. Okay, going past her. Let's go. You want to go, to Rochelle? Yeah, let's go, let's to Rochelle. Rochelle. Rochelle, we coming to you. Unmute yourself. You've been unmuted. What's going on? Rochelle's talking into the mute. <laughs> <laughs> Rochelle, there is no fridge breaks. You know how we play. Yeah, no fridge breaks. I'm sorry, Queen. <laughs> let's go to Marcus. Marcus, we coming to you. Unmute yourself, Marcus. What's going on? Joe, it's been a minute. How y'all yes. doing? What's going I'm on, my good, brother? Man. How are you? How's everything? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. Back in Orlando. Can't complain. 
So, um, yeah, man, so I got a question about the, the, the crypto space. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, PayPal eventually probably getting into it, Square, TD Ameritrade, and E-Trade. And that's one of my worries with Coinbase. I want to see what you guys' thoughts are on it. Because right now, you know, Coinbase is a hot commodity because it's the number one crypto trading platform. But as you mentioned, like one of the biggest issues with crypto is the fact that a lot of times if you want to trade a whole bunch of different types of crypto, all coins or whatever, you need to have a bunch of different platforms. Now, do you think that once like E-Trade and TD Ameritrade gets into that space, do you think it will basically make Coinbase irrelevant long term? You know, I don't. Um, I have to tell you a funny story. When about four years ago, 2018, three years ago, crypto was on its butt. And this guy from Tiger Global, Lee Fixell, uh, I went to see him. He he was the guy that ran their private investment. And he just put a huge investment in Coinbase at $6 billion. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? That's way too much to pay for that company. And crypto sucks right now. And he looked at me and he was like, hmm, you don't really understand private investing. And I was like, eh. He's like, Coinbase has the brand. And that brand is worth so much. It was like Amazon, but this is for crypto. And he was like, so, you know, in private, you do a pref anyway. Pref means if it goes down, you get the first money out. So it's not like normal equity. Now, you know, when it went public at $80 billion, I like sent the guy an email. I was like, dude, you're so right. And I was so wrong. Um, Coinbase put up a butterfly net when there was a swarm of butterflies in 2016, 17, and they caught all these customers. And so they have brand and customers. And it's hard to beat brand and customers. And so Brian Armstrong is a smart guy. He's going to have to innovate. Because you're right, everyone's coming at him. He's not innovating nearly as quick as Sam Bankman-Fried at FTX or these offshore accounts. Um, but I think Coinbase is probably a core portfolio uh, long for every institutional mutual fund that now feels like they need to have some crypto. And so what's happening now is all the employees and all the early investors that made the 100x or the 500x, they're selling. They're like, I got to take, you know. It was too good for That's too long. Yeah. And they're taking profit and the new institutions are buying. And after about two months, you'll hit an equilibrium and I think it'll start trending up. Um, but listen, we, we're a competitor of sorts. Uh, our company is about an $8 billion company now. Uh, and I tell my guys every day, I was like, the good news is crypto is going up. The bad news is the competition is coming and they're coming fiercely. And so we have this philosophy that we better be innovating, staying in the front line, figuring out what's new. Uh, I want us to be the smartest guys in the room because Goldman Sachs is coming. They're all coming. Uh, and so you could be right there. You know, I think Coinbase is going to survive and, and be a marquee because they got such a good head start. Mike, Mike, we appreciate you. Um, your team says you have to get up early in the morning, so... <laughs> We don't want to keep you out too late, but uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I greatly appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. You. And no, Mike, I really enjoyed it. Last thing, I, we just got, I just got a text from one of uh, our esteemed alumnus from EYL. Derek Ferguson said, I love Mike. He's a huge supporter of the Robin Hood Foundation. So I want to applaud you for that and your, your, your work with the Bell Project. If not, anybody's not familiar with the Bell Project, I suggest you Google it. Mike's been doing some amazing work there too. So thank you for that as well. Okay, sure. guys, I'm really, listen, I love what you're doing. You know, I've been doing this little series next with Novo where I've been having young, young rappers come on, partly because, <laughs> listen, underserved communities don't get any education on finance, on, on investing. 
And so uh, I had Tusi, uh, Tusi on on Friday. We had a ton of fun on Saturday night. I don't know if you guys know Tusi, but That's dope. We're, we're, we're doing an exchange. He's going to come work with me for a day, and I'm going to go work with him for a day. Oh, that's uh, amazing. And so I just, you know, it's fun to see a platform as big as yours that's doing the same thing that I'm trying to do a small amount of. So stay at it. Appreciate uh, you. Appreciate you. Thank, Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. One of the greatest investors of all time. Man. In the flesh. In the flesh. Yes. Yeah. Very rare. Yeah. Well, one of the, he, and he's humble. One was one of the greatest at Goldman. Made his own firm. Was not that big on Bitcoin at first. Caught it a bubble and told people to invest in it and then converted it over. Like, the story is amazing. For those of you who have, who have not studied him enough, homework, please go study his career. Immaculate. Incredible trader as well. <laughs> of the market Mondays, man. That's a fact. <laughs> no place like it. That is a fact. Like, it's, I don't really think people understand what just happened. Uh, and so, I'm still in shock myself. Yeah, like, I'm we, like, just, we, we just rock, walked in, and, and Hove was right there. And I'm like, "What? You gave me the blueprint to to doing 22 twos over? Let me." Yeah, man, man. Got two, two billionaires on, so far on the resume. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, you know what happens next? We just got to become billionaires. That's a fact. That's True a fact. indeed. Keep surrounding yourself by them, you become them. That's a fact. Um, all right. Uh, that was very insightful. What was the biggest lesson you guys got from that night? I got to ask you. Um, the biggest, the biggest lesson I got was Bitcoin. Well, I already knew, well, this is the biggest gem I got, the Facebook situation. I wasn't aware Mm -hmm. of that. Um, DM. And that's something that I'm going to look into. And I also, when he said that, when I asked him about mass adoption, and he said that in Korea, I believe it was Korea, they're already using 5%, uh, 6%, 6% um, of, the st- of a stable coin. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was really interesting uh-huh. to me because that's something that's, you know, for a long time, it's like, yeah. what's, the, what's the use case, mass adoption, whatever. But, you know, a lot of times just living in America, we get spoiled and um, we think that, you know, America is the only place in the world and it's not. Yeah. And a lot of places outside the world are more advanced in America and a lot of different Absolutely. areas yeah. and crypto is one of those things. So it's like this future is already happening in Asia. Um, so it's only a matter of time before it catches up in America and those stable coins, um, you know, cause that's always the thing. It's like, why would you pay for something in Bitcoin or Ethereum when, you know, you expect it to go up, but you know, now when you have a stable coin, that's really the yeah. currency. Bitcoin becomes the goal. Ethereum becomes, you know, the platform that things are built on and, you know, an investment that goes up over the course of time. So it's interesting. That, that really was something that um, I wasn't aware of and um, definitely good information to know yeah. for sure. I think that battle, I'm going to go back to the, that. The reason I asked the stable coin questions because I was look, looking at that as an investment strategy. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were in 2017 and we, we found out what Tether was and we like, it never, it actually moves with the dollar. And so instead of watching some of our, investments fall, we can put it in Tether. But at the time we were questioning ourselves, what if Tether's not real? And I'm glad that he said that, like it's, it's stood the test of time and it's been stable for the past five years. And so had we known that then, we would have saved a lot of money because we just would have, it's like sitting on the sideline. Like we put our money in a brokerage account before we even put it in an investment. And so Tether, had we known it would have been that, we could have saved some, but it's a valuable lesson. So somebody who's starting now, this is valuable information because now you know, all right, this is stable. And some people may not have known what a stable coin was. It, it, it 
follows the dollar. And so you can trade dollar for dollar and it keeps it inside the crypto space. So that was brilliant. And I thought the history lesson he gave about uh, being the world reserve between that battle between the United States and China was vital yeah. important. So people can actually understand what's happening um, because most times we get caught up in our own lives and our own world and we don't see what's happening on a global scale. But mm-hmm. what he's saying is very serious and uh, we need to pay attention to it. China is fintech. We we are the banking institution. We man, we got to get this thing in order, because in twenty years we could uh, fall apart. And then also too, if Bitcoin is a new gold, will crypto be the new gold standard for this um, century? That's gonna be very interesting. Um, yeah, my mind's blown, man. It's it's a lot to take in. It's a it's a lot to take in. You know, I'm very rarely quiet, but. This is one of the I have to go back and replay it myself three or four times because the gems, even on trading and its transitions, um, are key. I'll tell you guys, like, don't pay for your goods in, in Bitcoin because it's like it's like you pay using diamonds to buy pizza. I know a lot of companies are now accepting the payments, but if they are taking that Bitcoin from you, and if it could go to, and I know we didn't get a chance to ask about, will it go to two hundred fifty thousand or three hundred thousand? But if so, the cost benefit analysis is going to be so skewed. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has it going to a hundred thousand by the end of the year with no apology. Um, and so the things that he said, he's seen. He saw Goldman. We told, I think it was last week. We were saying Fidelity has filed to get a Bitcoin. We we're telling you, like these mm-hmm. big firms are putting money behind it. We already saw Tesla put put money behind it. So it's just a matter of time before there's mass adoption, like you were saying earlier again. And uh, this this space goes crazy, man. It's it's exciting because it's something so fresh and new that we're a part of. Um, so that makes it dope. Yeah, for sure, man. Hopefully, you guys picked up some information. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's a masterclass, man. I, yeah. Like, it's a ma- hey, I want to give a free? quick shout out. Quick shout out to my boy Jacob. He's in here. He he became our videographer, our Jacob. photographer. That's a fact. Fifteen. Come here, man. Come here. <laughs> Is that who ran up the stairs, or was that somebody else? That nah, was nah, Mike. Nah, that nah, was nah, Mike. Oh, that was Mike. Oh, okay, okay. Come here. I'm gonna give him his shine because he's been with us. Hey. He's been with- <laughs> they, they can't, can't see you. Got you. Got Shay, there you go. Where, Shay, you, where you from? New York. Brooklyn. New York facts. Brooklyn. Best I you know that. <laughs> give, give me IG. <laughs> what's your IG? What's your Instagram? Can't do, nah, nah, can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> we, we got him out here in LA, man. Yeah, he was in dope. Miami with us. He's in LA he, with he's, us. He's living the life, man. We had him in Miami. It's gonna he be 15? hard. Yeah. You just turned you just turned 15. He's gonna right? be a legend, boy. He get 19. He's gonna be directing to- snowfall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we keep our young guys around us. So he's soaking up the game as it's happening, man, which makes it even better. He's going straight to the league. He's going straight to the league, man. But um, nah, thank you guys. Oh, Wednesday, once again, let me do this wrap up. Wednesday, our bro Wall Street Trapper is teaching a class for EYL University open to the public on YouTube, stock investing for beginners. So we're going to cover everything you need to know about stock investing, how to get into the game, ETFs, index funds, how to examine stocks, all of that stuff. Because like I said, I realized that sometimes things go really at a fast pace and people might get left behind. So I felt like it was a good time to revisit that conversation and bring it back to the beginning essence. So that's not just for beginners, but it's for anybody. But if you are a beginner or if you just are getting into the stock market or if you haven't invested in stocks yet, you definitely need to be there. It's for everybody, it's free. It's on YouTube at eight o'clock on Wednesday. It's going to be a big, big class, so get there early. And then, of course, we have E40 um, coming out tomorrow. 40 shout Water. Out, shout out to Fonzarelli, Tell man. When it yes, <laughs> shout out to Fonzarelli. And then, of course, we have an EYL University networking event 
private networking event tomorrow in LA at an undisclosed location, uh, EYL University members. Once again, check the Facebook group. And um, it's only for EYL University members. So please. You know that cousin's gonna slide through. Yeah, don't invite Yo, Troy Rashad. <laughs> I remember when you made the third post. <laughs> and yeah. shout out, shout out to the whole Ciroc and Deleon family for sending us a care package out of this world. The care man. package of all care packages. They are, they are, yeah, they they they're covering the beverages for the event tomorrow. They covered the beverages for our events <laughs> throughout the course of the weeks that we've here. So um, shout out to Diddy, man. Yeah. Shout out to the whole family. Ready to crack that case open? Yeah. <laughs> and we, this week we're gonna be on uh, United Masters SelectCon. That's yeah, shout out to United yeah. Masters, man. Yeah. Shout out to the whole team out there. Shout out to Dave. Shout out to Steve Stout, the, commis- the, the commissioner. commissioner, man. Steve Stout, shout out to United Masters, man. They doing a great job over there. And we are honored to be a part of the SelectCon. We interview Mike Dean. Legend. And we interview uh, our uh, boy. Shepard. Shepard, that's my boy. Obey Giant. Obey Giant on he's Instagram. The, no, no, no. We got to get his name. I'm getting his name, yeah, getting his name but I know. Like that. Obey Giant he's on the, Instagram. He's, he's the one that did the Obama Hope poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's behind that. Um, got to get Shepard's last name right now. Give me two. Ferry. That's Shepard Ferry. There it is. Shepard mm. Ferry. So, yeah, shout out to both of them, man. Steve Stout, low-key with United. He's going to break the, the music business. Like, yeah. the, the, the model of robbing artists and all that. <sighs> Universally, Lucian Grange, you better buy him out. You got about four more years. You're going to have every artist in the world. I think at some point, maybe not a Drake, but a top two artist is going to do everything through his platform. That's coming real soon. Yep. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, all right. Last words, guys. What would you like to say, Ian? Um, Love y'all. This is amazing. Uh, Kudos to Mike. Uh, Trading After Dark next week. Um, Stock Club call tonight for 10 minutes. Go replay this. Share it with your friends. It's not often you get to get any insights from any billionaires. And a funny thing, like, he's sharing stuff that, like, when you go do research on him, like, he's really talked about and really has done. Sometimes people that are of high stature, they'll come on and give you fluff. He was getting straight to the point and giving you, like, actual strategy that he was using. I think it was amazing. So I'm, I'm honored to be able to have a chat. Uh, and thank you, guys. Go do your homework. Go study. I'll put that list out for free. But he said it. He's a billionaire. If he's still putting in that work and Cuban's putting in that work. And you notice when Cuban came on, everything went NFT crazy. And some of you didn't study. And then when me and 19 Keys went on a a little esoteric vibe, uh, (laughs) some of you were puzzled. I studied. Like after this, I don't want to do no talking. I'm going to go through probably four or 5,000 charts by Sunday. So for all my fellow traders, get to it. Get to it. And he kept it simple and he stuck to his own strategy, right? My strategy might not be shoddy strategy. It might not be Mike or Jamal's strategy or Bam's, but it's my strategy. But if it worked for you, then as much time as you put on the charts. And that's what he's saying. And that's what I took from him as well. It's like, that's what works for him. And so that's what he's sticking with. He's not going to be distracted. He's not going to be confused. He knows what he did. He said it, right? I'm just using horizontals and candles. And if that works... And I put the time in long enough. Macro time frame, support oh. resistance, we, we, we support. Ooh, we can't skip boy. over that. Watch the patterns. Watch the patterns. I'm going to get a landline. <laughs> 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 but you know how I, I like to end it, man. As always, like we said, May is Mental Health Month. And um, 
the next time we'll be on obviously will be May. And so again, always, always, I encourage you to please call somebody, text somebody, reach out to somebody um, because you never know what one phone call, one conversation can do to change somebody's life. So I encourage you to do that. Um, so please, please do that. Yep. Yeah. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. See you guys tomorrow. Go enjoy that case. LA vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Peace. I have a good one, y'all. When you're from Atlanta, you know your music. Whether it's local mixtape classics, homegrown trap anthems, or the newcomers just coming up on the scene. Spotify Premium lets you play your all-time favorite Atlanta tracks on any device without ads interrupting your flow. So we can turn it up and revel in the diverse sounds that make this city so unique. Listen to the sounds of Atlanta at Spotify.com slash Atlanta. And if you sign up today, you'll also get two months free of Spotify Premium. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.